30 for 30 podcast presents the longest game. In the spring of 1981, the Pawtucket Red Sox and Rochester Red Wings met for a minor league game. Over the course of 33 innings, the two teams would make history. This episode features archival sound and accidental treasure trove of the game's play-by-play broadcast and interviews with those who experienced it firsthand. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN fantasy football experts Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dot provide all the information you need to draft your fantasy football team for this season. Expert analysis, debates, and news, and notes each weekday on Fantasy Focus Football. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we are heading into the third and final week of the preseason, and we are getting ready for fantasy football drafts across the country everywhere. And with that in mind, we will be joined by the standout wide receiver of the Houston Texans, Brandon Cooks, who's had a decorated career after being drafted by the Saints in the first round of the 2014 draft. Who else has played for the Saints, the Patriots, the Rams? And now the Texans to have the type of career that Cooks has had when last season he had a career-high 90 catches from 134 targets for 1,037 yards and six touchdowns. He'll obviously be a high fantasy pick, and he'll be somebody the Texans depend on greatly, and he'll join us today. And we'll be joined by fantasy expert Adam Levitan of Establish the Run, an outstanding fantasy football website. He will join us to break down the players you should be targeting, the players you should be avoiding, and the players who this year could bust out and bring you a fantasy football championship. Great respect for the work that Adam Levitan does at Establish the Run. Tremendous website, and he'll be here to share his insights. And as we get ready for the season, the Panthers officially have named Baker Mayfield their starting quarterback, which is just perfect and just like the NFL schedule maker laid out. Who does it better than the NFL? Russell Wilson, week one, playing the Seattle Seahawks. Baker Mayfield, week one, playing the Cleveland Browns. Potentially Joe Flacco, week one, playing the Baltimore Ravens. We won't even get to Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans and week 13 later in the season until then. But already there potentially could be three quarterbacks, three high-profile quarterbacks going up against their former teams in week one, as if the NFL needed any more drama to kick off its season. Pretty incredible how the league does it. We always say it. We always will. The NFL is the greatest reality show going, and they will continue it on the opening weekend this season. And on the opening weekend, the Houston Texans will play the Indianapolis Colts. And I think the Colts are a sleeper team that a lot of people are sleeping on right now. I think they're going to be better than people realize with Matt Ryan taking over a quarterback, but the team they'll be up against is the Houston Texans. And if the Houston Texans have any hope of pulling the upset that day against the Indianapolis Colts, it'll be because of the contributions of their outstanding wide receiver, Brandon Cooks. Brandon, nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you as well. I appreciate you making the time. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. Well, you know why I wanted to have you? For a few reasons. There might not be a football team 
that is less talked about right now than the Houston Texans. Yeah. It seems like everybody's talking about everybody else. We don't hear much on the Texans. So we're going to go to you in a little bit, but just give me an idea on what people are missing. You know, um, I, I, th- I think it's, you know, great you say that, um, you know, inside the building, you know, you coach talk about tuning out the noise. And I truly think we're doing that. Uh, but at the same time, we also know what's going on out there. And uh, we use that as motivation. But right now we're just working hard, head down and, uh, you know, coming together and, and sticking to the script. I know you're tuning out the noise, but is that something that you're even aware of? The fact that there just seems to be very little focus and discussion of the Houston Texans, like people are sleeping on them. Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said we wasn't aware of it. You know what I mean? We all on our phones and whatnot. We all watch football, and, and we understand that uh, pretty much for not being talked about. But, you know, that's okay. We got to be able to do something to change that, and that's on us. And how realistic is it that we're going to hear from the Houston Texans this season, Brandon? Real. It's very real. No doubt. No doubt. What are we going to hear? Uh, well, we're going to have to find out on week, you know, come week one. So now tell me about yourself here. Cause you, everywhere you've been, people have talked about how you're lighting it up in camp every year. The numbers are strong. And I'm curious to know how it is that you play three seasons in new England, one or three seasons in new Orleans, yep. one season, in new England, two seasons in the Rams. And now you're in Houston. How does somebody who gets so much praise and so many accolades bounce around how does bounce around the way you have how does that happen i mean that's a great question you know what i mean uh, um you know it's been unfortunate but at the same time like i always say where i suit up i'm gonna play well and do my thing but at the same time be the best teammate so i definitely know it's, it's none of those things uh you know when people are sending first rounds for you i guess teams got to make a decision um and those teams made that decision no you know no hard feelings um you know I, I keep my chip on my shoulder from those reasons and I continue to just show up every year and that's and that's what I'll continue to do and you've played for some incredible coaches no doubt no doubt have you been compare them if you will take me through what stands out about Sean Payton yeah. Bill Belichick Sean McVay now Lovey Smith I mean uh first of all for, to be coming in as a rookie to be with Payton was was awesome. I mean, he's he's an offensive genius. I, I truly feel that way, and I got a lot of love for him. And as we know, we all know Bill uh, is special and had a great time with him. You know what I mean? Didn't interact with him as much. You know, he was more so on the defensive side of the ball because we had Josh McDaniels, which was uh, incredible. And then you talk about Coach McVay. Uh, to be so young and doing what he's doing uh, is unbelievable. Um, and now Lovey, you know, been in this game for a while. All, all of them are truly great in their own way, um, especially on each side of their ball. Um, and like I say, I got a lot of love for them. We, you know, we still keep in touch, you know, throughout the off season. So got a lot of respect for every coach that I played for and wouldn't trade it for the world. That's a crazy list of coaches. Like, no doubt. There's a real no chance. Each one will be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah exactly. No doubt. So you've thought of that before. Oh, absolutely. And I look at it as I was fortunate, you know what I mean, to be able to come in the game and, and play for those coaches. And then you talk about the, the quarterbacks that are alongside those guys. So uh, I guess I know how to pick them, right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Is there one thread that's a common between the great minds in this game? Is there something that you see that everybody has? You, uh, I would say there's like uh, from each and every one of them, all they do is breathe, eat and sleep football. You know what I mean? They're coaches that show up to the facility before you. Um, but what's crazy is they 
they know the game of football, not just offense, not just defense, not just special teams. Um, they really can probably call each side of the ball if they truly wanted to, each and every one of them. You know, I was in Seattle a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned my podcast last week. Spent some time around Pete Carroll. <laughs> yeah. And his energy and positivity was off the charts. And I have found that that's a trait that seems to run through a lot of coaches. No doubt. They've got a lot of energy. They work round the clock. And they always believe that they can win. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, one of the, you know, one of the coaches told me, you know, Bill, I remember him saying coaches lose game player, win them. And, uh, and I think they'll all each coach take that to heart and put us in the best position to be able to go out and win. And that's why they take their job so serious because they really believe that. So that those are the coaches that you play with there. So let me see if I got the quarterbacks right. We had <laughs> Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Yeah. And Jared Goff. Yeah. Yeah. And now Davis Mills. Anything that stood out? Give me something that stood out about Breeze, Brady, and Goff. You know, I would say that uh, I think, you know, Drew, man, you know, just the way that he approached the game, his routine. I think that's why I learned my routine from coming up with my own routine. Just every little thing had to just be detailed. Even when he goes through practice, he throw a ball. He does his check down. Uh, he grows through the mental gymnastics, and I think that was special. And then Tom, he's just, you know, he's a dog. I mean, you can step on the field with him, and you just know you're going to win. But, you know, to play this game so long uh, as he has is as if, you know, he got something to prove every single year, and that's what I loved about him. And then Jared, you know what I mean, to be so young, to take his team to a Super Bowl that early, um, you know, he, he's, he's great as well, so. Got a lot of love for all three of them. And then I'm all dog Davis. He's doing his thing and growing. Um, you know, th this guy, you know, we threw this offseason. His approach that he's approaching with the game is is definitely there and um, continue to try to push him and uh, so he can continue to grow. Do we think that he can be? Yes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't what What can he be? Uh, he can be great. He great. really can. And he can be great. He can lead a team. And that's what I'm just, you know, pushing him to do. Continue to lead, you know, this team, lead this offense. It's his. And um, the sooner that he can do that, the better, because we all looking for it. And I think he's been doing that throughout this camp. Because, Brandon, when I talked to you early on about people not talking about the Texans, in a way, it's a quarterback league, and they're not talking about Davis Mills. Right. And he showed up pretty well last year. I will you say so. I've heard a little bit of buzz about him being able to be that guy, but you're a guy – who worked out with him during the offseason, obviously has played with him. Is there one thing that stands out about him? I would say how smart he is. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, offense last year and then having a new newer offense this year, um, how fast he's been able to pick it up in the way that he's able to see things. Um, and his leadership capabilities is definitely standing out to me. And he's, he's extremely accurate, and I, I truly believe that. Now, last year... You had a career high, 90 catches, 134 targets, 1,037 receiving yards, six touchdowns, 11 and a half yards per catch. Is that something that we can build upon and surpass this team? No and you're not even hesitating there. Uh, I mean, just the way that I'm so how I'm so hard on myself, I look back at some of those things where I, you know, I left stuff on the table and, and I had nothing to do with anyone else but set myself. So um, just being critical and hard on myself to continue to just – be a better receiver, and I truly feel like I've been doing that throughout this camp and throughout this offseason, um, and I just feel like I'm going to continue to get better uh, as we go. A's like fine wines, what they say. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what are those little things that you've done 
in your mind that will make yourself better? Yeah, I would just say uh, slowing the game down even more, um, seeing what the defense is trying to give us or, you know, particularly in myself, uh, being able to see that sooner so I can get the spots for the quarterbacks uh, and being exactly where I need to be. Um, just seeing, you know, that pre-snap show a lot sooner and being able to get to my job uh, just that much faster. Uh, as we know in this game, everything happens a lot quicker. So, yeah. I know you pay attention to the numbers, but you know what? In the fancy football world, people really pay attention to your numbers. <laughs> yeah. When you hear that, does that irritate you or does that amuse you? Because different players have different approaches to the fantasy element of this, which, again, I believe yeah. helps drive the popularity of the sport. Yeah, you know, for me, I, truthfully, uh, I'm just looking to win games. And that can mean, hey, I, I didn't have a good game. We ran the ball 60 times and I had no stats. But hey, if we won the game, uh, that's truly all I care about. No disrespect to the people that's uh, playing fantasy football, but name of the game is win. So I'm curious about fantasy. You're curious about winning. Let me see if I can merge the two together and come up with a question that actually addresses both. Who are some other guys on your offense, mm -hmm. particularly the skill positions, that you think will help you win games this year and post big numbers? Uh, I think, you know, I mean, I can go down the list. All of them, guys are having a great camp. You talk about Nico, you know what I mean? You talk about Chris Conley, Chris Moore. Uh, I mean, you got these young guys in camp and uh, they had a great game this past uh, week in the preseason. Johnny, Connor, uh, Drew, I mean, and in our backs, uh, how hard we run the ball, you know, from top to bottom is incredible. And with our offensive line playing, the way they're playing, I think our backs going to be huge and our tight end as well. Well, I, I a few things here. The tight end, Brevin Jordan. Yeah, yeah. I like him. Yeah, I, no doubt. He's smooth. He, he, he can run some routes like a receiver, no doubt about it. I said on the podcast last week when I would watch him last year, Yeah, he would pop to me. He would pop to me. Nico Collins is a Michigan guy. Yeah. So I saw what he could do. <laughs> yeah. He can play. Yeah, no doubt. And your running back, your rookie running back? That, yeah, yeah. Damian he ran hard. He ran hard. He first couple carries. I mean, that's what he does. He he runs hard. And, you know. Am I saying that Damian Pierce? Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. See, mm -hmm. like we got we got to get to know you get, some get of him, these. Get him out there. Yeah. yeah we, we, <laughs> exactly. So I got my eyes yeah. on a few. And 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 the old reliable is Brandon Cooks. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make you seem old. The reliable. Is yeah, Brandon yeah. Cooks. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to excuse me there. Yeah. Now, before I let you go. You have to tell me about your second Instagram account, yeah. which is under Archer 12 Eyes. What is the idea here and what made you come up with it? Yeah, you know, um, over the years, uh, my wife and I, we, we fell in love with traveling and I wanted to be able to, you know, capture moments and pictures, um, not just by phone. So I started learning really early on when I was in L.A. Um, photography and was able to uh, learn from some great people. And so that's just another account to be able to show a different side of my life. Um, you know, outside of football. Is there a place that you've gone that you loved shooting or a certain picture? New Zealand. Your certain New Zealand. Why New, New Zealand? Zealand? Uh, I mean, just the mountains, uh, you know, the nature out there is just extremely beautiful. Uh, you talk about the Milford Sound, one of our seven wonders. Um, it's just one of those places that's just so peaceful. You think about it as Aspen on steroids out there. So, yeah, no doubt. Aspen's awesome. Yeah. You it been is, there? It is. It is. It is. Absolutely. You shot there? I shot there. I shot there before, you know, shot in our backyard in Oregon. That's where I live in off season. Uh, Yellowstone is another one that's that's beautiful. So I love to get out in nature and, uh, you know, do, do all the hiking. Where do you go this off season? 
this offseason, you know, we kept it in states. We, we were in Yellowstone for a couple of weeks. Um, so that, that was pretty much it. And what's still on Brandon Cook's wish list to get to? I'm sure there's many places, but what's yeah. atop the wish list? The top is, uh, is probably Africa now. You know, we did Southeast Asia. The, our last big trip was which was incredible, but Africa is, is next on the list. And you've never been to Africa? Never been to Africa. Wow. So that's another one. So look out, look out for it, you know, maybe next offseason. Who knows? Well, I'll tell you what, there aren't many people who can catch the football and take pictures <laughs> right. like Brandon Cooks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. Not many at all. <laughs> hey, Brandon, I want to thank you very much for the time today. We wish you luck this season. We will be following you, tracking you and your team. Hopefully you get a lot of wins and a lot of numbers. No doubt. And I'm grateful to you for your time today. Appreciate it, Steph. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, my friend. And there he is, the outstanding wide receiver for the Houston Texans, Brandon Cooks. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. And now somebody else who's also outstanding in his particular field, but it involves fantasy football, not playing football. Fantasy expert from the est- from Establish the Run, Adam Levitan. Let me say this, and I mean this. I like to go for walks near my house. It's become my new thing. And I like to go on walks around this park. And it's usually about an hour walk. And when I'm walking, I am constantly either on the telephone, making phone calls, or prepping for my upcoming fantasy football drafts, listening to the ESPN podcast or your podcast with you and your partner, Evan Silva, and I listen to what you guys have to say, and everything just kind of soaks in until my drafts roll around and make my picks. So my first question for you, Adam, would be this. When you are living and dying this and breathing this, do you ever get sick of talking about this? Oh, God. Well, first of all, I'd say hour-long walks. You're getting to be an old man now. Hour-long walks as an activity. That's that's an old man activity. <laughs> that is. Well, well, Adam, I am 55 years old. What do you expect me to do? You expect me to go on mountain hikes here through your mountains in Colorado? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I think that I don't get tired of talking about fantasy ever because it's always changing. There's always more stuff to learn. I get tired of talking about certain 
players and their situations. You know, the I'm tired of talking about if Christian McCaffrey can get hurt this year. I'm tired of talking about uh, how far Traylon Burks is buried on the depth chart. I get tired of talking about the same situations over and over again, but I could talk about fantasy all day. And honestly, even if I didn't do this for work, I would 100% be doing all this stuff anyways. And so it's just, it, it's just a real blessing for sure. So your hobby is your job, which means usually people are going to be better at their jobs than they wouldn't be, than they would be ordinarily because they care about it. They're invested in it and they love doing it. And that's what you guys love doing. And you could pick up on it. It's like guys who are totally into and immersed in the fancy football world. It's an awesome thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I play so hard and I, and I play to win so much. I'm just, just like following this stuff 24 seven anyways. And so, yeah, I just basically how this all started. I just started conveying what I was doing for my own work to other people and other people liked it. And so kind of took off from there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we are heading into our fancy football drafts. Everybody's getting ready for their drafts. I guess we'll start here. Who are your ride or dies for the upcoming fancy season, if you have any, Adam? Oh, yeah, got got a bunch. Uh, you know, I think the mid-round wide receiver is so uh, juicy this year and allows me to take running backs early. And so these mid-round wide receivers that I, that I like the most would be DJ Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster and all these guys, I think, have the potential to finish as top five fantasy players this this year. DJ Moore has gone over 1,150 yards in three straight seasons, despite having Sam Darnold, you know, the corpse of Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle Allen. I think Baker will be an upgrade for him. Amon Ra, I, I get that the target competition is stiffer than it was down the stretch last year, but this every down slot role with Jared Goff, that's where Jared Goff likes to throw the football right over the middle of the field. He obviously has really good chemistry with Amon Ross St. Brown. Don't think Jameson Williams be back for a while. And then Juju Smith-Schuster is the other guy that I take in the middle rounds a ton. Also, I get he's been bad the last year or two, but he's been hurt. And this noodle arm version of Ben Roethlisberger really wasn't good for Juju. Juju's only 25 years old. Patrick Mahomes historically has a really high target rate at the slot. And let's be honest, Travis Kelsey is 33 years old. Now and so I think Juju has a chance to become a primary target. Patrick Mahomes obviously super valuable. DJ Moore is somebody who excels every year, just quality production, and has done it with a variety of different quarterbacks. Amon Ross St. Brown. You know what I loved about him? I watched on Hard Knocks, and you can pick up little things by watching. When I watched him on the Jugs Machine in the second episode, and I saw that he's catching two hundred passes after practice every week with a body that looked the way that his did, I said, I'm in on that guy. That guy cares about it. He's into it. And man, he looks the part. He looks awesome out there catching the football. And Juju is a guy who, after his rookie year, I was all in on. And then he had injuries. The Steelers offense was up and down. Ben was hurt. A lot of different things. And he's on a one-year contract, right? Mm -hmm. So if ever he's going to revive his career, you'd figure it would be in Kansas City. And somebody... Somebody has to replace all the Tyreek Hill targets in Kansas City. So who is that going to be? Is it going to be Juju? Is it going to be Sky Moore? Is it going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Is it going to be a combination of running backs? Is it going to be down the line, Justin 
Watson, even. Yeah, I, I had my eye on Justin Watson when he was when he was in Tampa. Didn't earn a lot of playing time. I don't think he's going to be a huge, huge factor. I think Sky will eventually replace him. But we know the the Chiefs are going to have one of the highest pass rate over expectations in the entire league. That's just what Andy Reid does. Even going back to his time in Philadelphia, they're going to throw the ball and they're going to throw the ball a ton. MVS has never been a big target earner in his career. I think Sky Moore will be fine, but he's a little buried right now on the depth chart. And so to me, it's it's Juju is is the guy that clearly stands out. On established throwing, you guys have talked an awful lot about Travis Kelsey going in the first round. Any concerns at all about his age, about all the tight ends they have? Even a guy like Jody Fortson, a backup tight end in Kansas City, who's looked pretty good this preseason coming off a knee injury. Do you have any concerns that this will be the year that there'll be a dip, a slight dip in Travis Kelsey's production? The track record for 33-year-old tight ends is really bad. I mean, it starts to really fall off a cliff there. I will say that if you watch Travis Kelsey in the playoffs last year, I mean, he was incredible in the playoffs last year. I think during the regular season, there were some times when he kind of got lost a little bit, didn't look as effective. His targets per route run rate has started to decline uh, a little bit, and it's all that stuff is scary. But man, Magic Mahomes is going to throw the ball at Travis Kelsey a ton. And even if his, he's only out there 80% of the snaps, 75% of snaps instead of 90%. It's so valuable at tight end to have that. And so I still like Travis Kelsey, but yes, to answer your questions, I think there are some concerns and that's why we have him kind of at the back end of the first round instead of the middle or the high end of the first round. You know, Adam, I'm in two leagues. In one of them, I have the 10th pick in a 12-team league. In another, I've got the 11th pick in a 16-team league. So that would figure to be prime Travis Kelsey territory. And it's mm-hmm. hard for me to draft a 32, 33-year-old player with my first pick, as much as I love Travis Kelsey, as much as he's primed for a huge season, that's somebody that gives me pause when you're that old and using your first pick on a guy. I like somebody that's three, four, five years in the league, a young guy, somebody who has going to have fresh light. I just, I wonder about that with Travis Kelsey. And I may be totally wrong because the guy's been a stud he may go down as the greatest tight end ever. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. But is that the guy you want to take in the first round with your first pick when he's at the age he is? That's my question. Yeah. And, and you think about career arcs, you know, typically we want to be on guys whose career arc is ascending, not plateauing or descending. I think everybody would say that Travis Kelsey likely has had the best year of his NFL career already. So I totally get that. We have Travis Kelsey 11th. We do have him behind Dalvin Cook. We have him behind Derrick Henry. We have him behind Devonta Adams, Steph Diggs. I, I think that you could also make a pretty good case there in the back end of the first round for CeeDee Lamb, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, guys like that, Alvin Kamara, though you tell me on the suspension stuff on Alvin Kamara. So there's a lot of options at the back end of the first round. I think it's pretty flat there, and I would not crush anyone for going with their gut and avoiding or targeting certain guys at the back end of the first round, early round two. You know, the funny thing about Alvin Kamara is during the offseason when people are doing their best ball drafts on underdog, I'm seeing Alvin Kamara's ADP in the 20s. And I'm saying, what is going on there? And obviously, everybody thought that he'd be disciplined at some point this season for the battery that he allegedly was involved in in Las Vegas at the time of the Pro Bowl. But the fact of the matter is his legal team keeps pushing off the case. It was delayed 60 more days recently. And by the time there is clarity and resolution in that particular case, I don't believe it's going to impact his availability this season at all. Alvin Kamara is going to be Alvin Kamara. So if we took that incident out of play, Adam, what would Alvin Kamara's true ADP average draft position be if there were no pending legal issues hovering around him? 
Yeah, we currently have Alvin Kamara projected to play all 17 games. We have him 16th overall. And I think the reason that you see him not be a first-round pick is because you go from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston. And so the days of Alvin Kamara catching 80 balls, I think that's likely over. They also have a lot more target competition now with Michael Thomas back healthy. Alave is there. Jarvis Landry is there. So maybe not quite as many targets. I do think Mark Ingram will mix in some for the Saints. But man, I mean, just catching 60 balls is really good for running back. That's what Alvin Kamara does. He's going to get work around the goal line. I still think that this offensive line, despite losing Teron Armstead, is very, very good. And so I think Alvin Kamara is a fine, fine pick early second, mid second for sure. We mentioned DJ Moore. We mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. We mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster. How about in this draft and every year of these guys that essentially decide league winners? There's a guy like Cooper Cup that gets picked in the mid-rounds that explodes the way he did last year. There's a guy that explodes like Jamar Chase, who last year at this time, everybody was hearing about all the passes he was dropping and how much he was struggling during camp. And then the regular season starts and the guy blows up and turns into one of the elite receivers in the league out of the gate right away. If there are a few guys that you could recommend right now, guys that have that breakout, bust out potential that'll make them first round picks next year, who's on the list? Yeah, I think the one that comes to mind that's maybe going round three or later is is Michael Pittman. And Michael Pittman has shown some really good ascending talent underlying metrics with weakish quarterback play. I think Matt Ryan is at the tail end of his career, but still an upgrade on Carson Wentz. And I think they're going to be way more pass heavy this year. I mean, Frank Reich has been very vocal about not wanting Jonathan Taylor to lead the league in carries championships or one through the throwing game, not with ground and pound, said Frank Reich. And man, I mean, Michael Pittman has very little target competition. Very, very good player. Matt Ryan is obviously very, very capable. That one certainly sticks out to me. The wide receiver one, you know, it has to be Gabe Davis. I know everybody's talking about Gabe Davis after he went off on the Chiefs in the playoffs last year, but now they get rid of Cole Beasley. They get rid of Emmanuel Sanders. Gabriel Davis is going to play every single snap opposite Steph Diggs. And Gabe Davis's red zone metrics are just completely off the charts. I don't think he'll be like a round one pick the following year in 2023, but I do think that round two, round three is not crazy for Gabriel Davis to go next year, given the way the Bills like to play. If you go a little bit further down the board at the running back position, AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard are, are two of my favorites for sure. We know that Zeke is going to be the starter. We know that Aaron Jones is going to be the starter, but that's why you can get these guys in round seven or round eight. AJ Dillon is for sure one of the best offensive players, offensive skill players on the entire Packers team. I think they're going to use him a ton. He showed well in the past game last year. And Tony Pollard, I mean, given what's going on with the Cowboys wide receiver core, yeah. you know, Michael Gallup out, Amari Cooper gone, they might actually have to use Tony Pollard as a bit of a slot receiver, mixing in with Zeke on base downs as well as a running back. So that's a really good role for Tony Pollard as well. I could see both those guys. I mean, if Zeke is gone after this year, which is certainly possible in Dallas, Tony Pollard is going to be a round one pick for sure. You know, it's interesting. Matt LaFleur on Monday came out and said that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are 1A and 1A as their backs. Well, 1A is going roughly 16 in drafts, and 1A is going somewhere in the 70s in drafts, right? That's A.J. Dillon's ADP roughly in the 70s? Correct. And uh, I, it's a, it, the gap is too wide. I, I, I agree. And A.J. Dillon's going to start to creep up a little bit more now that Matt LaFleur has said that. You know, I think it's just people like what they've seen. In other words, we've seen Aaron Jones as the starter. We've seen him with, honestly, like Alvin Kamara-like ability in the past game. And I think people are excited about that. I am too. I think Aaron Jones 
it's fine. I wouldn't move Aaron Jones down. I would just keep moving AJ Dillon up is my take on that quote from, from Matt LaFleur. And, what, and the same thing exists. Zeke's stock is not as high. He's going roughly what in the thirties right now. You can get Zeke sometimes as late as the fourth round. Yeah. I mean, it's the latest Zeke has ever gone for sure. And what about Pollard? Where's he going in the fifties or sixties? Yeah, you can get Pollard in the sixth, seventh round. Depends who you're playing against. But yeah, sixth, seventh, eighth, I would say. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there, but it's greater with the Packers running backs, right? Greater by far with the Packers running backs. The thing on, on Dallas, I would say, is that, you know, when, when the Cowboys give Ezekiel Elliott 90 million, you know, they're very incentivized. They don't want to make themselves look bad by like benching him for Tony Pollard. You know, I think that's just not an option for them. So Zeke is going to start, but if they start off struggling, you know, one and three, one and four, Zeke's averaging 3.6 yards per carry. To me, you got to start getting Pollard more base work. And we already know he's going to have a good pass down role. And I hate asking you all the cliched football fancy questions like breakout players and championship winning players and ride or rides or die players. So there's going to be one more that I'm going to ask. Who's on your do not draft list? Give me like five guys that no matter how many drafts you participate in, they will not be on any Adam Levitan rosters. Yeah, so there's two that come to mind just, I mean, absolutely right away. The first one is Debo Samuel, and he goes around 17th overall. And Debo Samuel is obviously a really, really talented player. What he did last year was simply unsustainable. Debo's average depth of target was among the shortest in the league, and he led the entire NFL in yards per catch. He also had this wild touchdown rate, especially on carries. I believe he had eight rushing touchdowns on 59 carries or something ridiculous. I mean, just totally, totally, totally unsustainable. Now you remove Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is a bit more accurate, will throw shorter in favor of Trey Lance, who's a bit less accurate and will throw deeper. That's not good for Debo either. And so I have major concerns about Debo where he goes at 17th overall, despite being really talented. Uh, Other one that I have none of is Michael Thomas. And I know Michael Thomas was was one of the best fantasy players in the NFL for, for a long time. Now he's 29 years old. He hasn't played in two years. He no longer has Drew Brees, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Enter Jameis Winston. Enter a lot more target competition. Again, Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry mm. can certainly play. And I think with Sean Payton gone, there's just more fragility to the downside in the Saints offense. Are we sure it'll be as efficient under Dennis Allen, under Pete Carmichael, as it was under Sean Payton? I had so much respect for Sean Payton as an offensive talent maximizer. And I know Pete Carmichael's been there with him for 15 years. I'm just not sure he can get the same things out of this offense. Well, you mentioned Sean Payne being on. Drew Brees has gone really too from the last time that Michael yeah. Thomas played. So it's a different quarterback getting him the ball. And that was Brees' specialty. And I don't know if that's exactly what Jameis does well. But the thing about Thomas, Adam, is that he's not going very high, right? You get him, what, round five, six, seven? Yeah. See, to me, I'd rather have Amon Rod. I'd rather have Gabe Davis. I'd rather have, have Juju. And I know people don't want to hear that because Michael Thomas was such a good fantasy player for so long. I just, I have major concerns on Michael Thomas. But you're right. He goes like, you know, fifth or sixth round, I would say. I'm going to give you something that I got from watching the games this weekend. So the Baltimore okay. Ravens draft in the fourth round this guy, Isaiah Likely, who tears it up against the Arizona Cardinals and probably puts himself on fancy radars on Sunday Night Football. And just plays exceedingly well, even though Baltimore's liked him throughout training camp. Now, I'm not questioning Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is one of the two, three, four best tight ends in football. He is a fantastic player. But if we go back to last year when Andrews was tight end one, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. Tight end one? Yes. Yes. He did not have an Isaiah Likely who was going to steal any targets. 
So the way I'm looking at it, where you're going to have to draft Mark Andrews this year is roughly 20, maybe a little higher. Yep. And so would you think, as I now do, that Isaiah Likely is going to catch 30, 40 passes this year and take a bite into Mark Andrews' target share and production, making Andrews a little less viable as a tight end. Again, not disputing his talents, his abilities, but his production, I think, will not be what it was. Just like I don't think Cooper Cups will be what it was. Just because how often do you have a season like that in back-to-back years? And so Mark Andrews, in my mind, whatever his stats were last year, they drop a notch in part because Isaiah Likely is there. So uh, you're 100% right. I mean, you know, guys are going to regress off of historical seasons. What I'd say about the Ravens' pass catching stuff is Marquise Brown was earning a ton of targets last year. Marquise Brown is now in Arizona. You know, they have Rashad Bateman. They have Devin DuVernay. They do not have a deep or very good wide receiver core. I think we'll see them play almost exclusively or maybe lead the league in two tight end sets. And so I think there's room for both Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews to be on the field a ton. So I I have not downgraded Mark Andrews on the likely stuff. We have continued to move Isaiah Likely up because it's very clear the dude can play and is earning a role. And honestly, he might be the the second best pass catcher on the team. Although I do like Rashad Bateman a lot. I would call Isaiah Likely the third best pass catcher on the team right now. I I get the concerns on Andrews. To me, the concerns are more that that Ravens is going to be very, very run heavy last year. They kind of got away from their identity and became a bit more throw heavy. Last year, Lamar got hurt. I think they're going to be more run heavy this year. That's a bigger concern to me on Andrews than the Isaiah Likely stuff. But let me give you the pro Andrews argument is that elite tight end is so valuable. Like you're not going to pick someone up off waivers. You're not going to get someone in the seventh, eighth, ninth round at the tight end position who can compete with Kelsey Pitts, uh, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Kittle. You're just dead. So, but you can at wide receiver and running back. We can find guys later. And so the argument to take elite tight end like Mark Andrews is when we play people... And again, we're not trying to score the most points. We're trying to beat our opponents. When we play people, we just crush them at tight end and they have no chance to beat us at that spot. And to me, that's pretty valuable. So the tight ends, obviously, as they are tiered, we'd have Travis Kelsey, we'd have Mark Andrews, we'd have George Kittle. Do we put him there or not? Uh, I have Pitts and Waller slightly above Kittle, yes. Pitts, Waller, maybe Kittle. And then you're saying after there's nobody in that next group that jumps out to you that you think would be able to make you keep pace with your opponent, so to speak. Yeah, I think Dalton Schultz will have a fine year and catch a decent amount of passes. I, I think that Dallas Goddard is, is a really talented player. I'm not sure Philly's going to throw enough and with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith there for him to really completely break out, although I do like Dallas Goddard. And, and the other one is Hawkinson in that mid-range. But, you know, I, I think all those guys are not elite, explosive, pass-catching guys that can compete with the top three, four tight ends. Hmm. Well, we're going to see how this goes. Um... How many leagues are you in, Adam? <laughs> so I, I try to keep a lot of my focus on, on DFS and keep my schedules clear for that. But I'm in, I would say, five or six serious season-long leagues that I follow religiously and take seriously. Do you ever have a draft where your wife or children interrupt you in the middle of a draft? <laughs> my wife and children are always interrupting me. They have no respect for the process, Adam. <laughs> they, they, have no, they have no respect for me. Forget about <laughs> trusting the process. Respect the process, right? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, that's always been one of my great fears, if I was going to be completely honest. Every year, we set our drafts, and the two drafts are back-to-back. I'm with, Like I said, my 12-team league, my 16-team league, we always do it the night before the season. One starts 5.30, the other starts at 8. I don't want anything, anything, 
to happen. I don't want any family issues. I don't want any breaking news. There was one year I knew that Wes Welker was being suspended, and I intentionally held on to that news until after he was drafted in my league. And then right after this guy took Wes Welker in the fourth round, I tweeted out that Wes Welker <laughs> was being suspended for the first few games of the season or whatever it was, and the whole league was mocking the guy for using a high pick on a guy that just got suspended. But I wasn't going to use that information until the draft unfolded, Adam. Uh are you aware that people tweet out like your transactions in the war room league and try to see if they can decipher your waiver wire transactions during the season to playing time and injury usage? Well, the funny thing about that is people were aware of that. And so like there was one year where Matt Hasselback a few years back picked up Andrew Luck late in the year, like his teammate had been eliminated and everyone sees Andrew Luck and like, oh my God, what just happened? Right. And I picked up a couple of years back, Antonio Brown right before he signed with, I think it was Tampa, or it was last year, was it two years ago? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so many Antonio Brown instances, they kind of blend yeah. together after all these years. Yeah, people track that stuff, but there are guys like Mort sometimes that back in the day once picked up Tim Tebow, and everyone's like, what's going on with Tebow? And Mort was just playing around, and he likes to just pick up a guy and prank people in the War Room League, so he, they so they start thinking that things are happening that actually aren't. So there's all sorts of hijinks that go on. It's one of the things that makes the league so challenging and interesting. But yeah, uh, I'm aware of that. And you know what? I learned something a long time ago. And these are some of the great fantasy stories. I was sitting at the kitchen table one year and I got a call that the Cleveland Browns are trading Trent Richardson to the Mm. Indianapolis Colts for a first round draft pick. That call came in at about 6.05. I filed the story to the ESPN news desk. I tweeted out the story. And as soon as I tweeted it out, I went to go claim Willis McGahee mm-hmm. off the waiver wire uh, because he played for the Cleveland Browns and was going to take the spot that Trent Richardson had vacated. And Matthew Berry already had made the move to pick up Willis McGahee. And I said, forget that. From now on, when I get news, I'm making the move first, filing it to the news desk, and then and then tweeting it out. But I'm not doing that again. Fancy, serious stuff, Adam, okay? Nothing comes in front of that. You got to have your pri- priorities straight for sure. And you realize these people have alerts on your Twitter. I mean, you have, after you tweet, I would say you might have like four seconds to pick someone up before, before it's over in a competitive league. It's uh it's a lot of fun, but there's nothing that I love more. And I can tell you this at this time of the year, many of my waking moments are spent mulling how I'm going to yeah. use my first, second, third, fourth, fifth round picks. Yes. It's the best for sure. And like I, people, there's so much focus on, on round one. I think the focus on round one is a bit, overhyped but i get it and it's fun because people don't want to mess that pick up you know if you mess that pick up your season is likely over and so i totally get the round one stuff i agree with you though the, the round one through five setting up your draft what positions you want how do you want to set it up that's the best part hey adam adam levitin established the run we appreciate you joining us today lots of luck in your five or six leagues lots of luck in dfs hopefully your family respects the process and leaves you alone during it. We appreciate your time, and we respect your work very much. Thank you. At least I'm appreciated somewhere. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. (laughs) A special thanks to Adam Levitan of Establish the Run. And speaking of fantasy football, what a great fantasy football weekend in Chicago with ESPN's fantasy expert, Field Yates. We flew in there for the ESPN Chicago radio station to be a part of their fantasy football fan fest which took place in Gary, Indiana on Saturday at a casino there. And Field Yates and I spent about three hours meeting fans, answering questions, talking to the group about players that we liked 
and didn't like and the upcoming football season. And when you get out into the crowd, you are reminded, you are reminded how much people love football and love fantasy football. And it's not often that you're thrust into a big crowd like that right before the start of the season in the great city of Chicago. It was a special weekend too. My family had never been to Chicago, brought them all along, which that's something we don't ordinarily get to do. Brought the wife, the two children. They saw Chicago for the first time. It was a memorable weekend and a nice little break before we get into the craziness of the NFL season that already is underway as news continues to pour in and as we continue to get ready for fantasy football dress. We'll continue to bring you some tremendous insight as people get ready for their fantasy football drafts on this very podcast in the coming weeks. We want to thank Brandon Cooks, the Texans wide receiver. We want to thank Adam Levitan from Establish the Run. We want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for putting this together, and you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week, and until then, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.